Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Monday the 8th of April. Coming up, Kent Mum has daughter's medication confiscated. My daughter suffers from a very severe type of epilepsy that can kill her at any time. What to do if you call 999 but can't speak? Getting that word out that this is the way to do it is obviously paramount, especially during stalking week this week. And new football team for young girls in Medway. What we're looking to do is take what is currently a very male-dominated club and open it up to the 50% of the population which are currently not represented. Kent Online News. First up today, we've been hearing from a Kent mum who says she's devastated after cannabis medication that could help her severely epileptic daughter was taken off her by airport officials. Nine-year-old Tegan Appleby from Aylsham can have as many as 300 seizures a day. She was given cannabis-based treatment here in the UK at the end of last year, which initially helped, but she's got worse again in the last couple of months. Her mum Emma flew to Rotterdam in Holland to pick up stronger drugs, but was stopped at Southend Airport and made to hand it in. She's been telling Suze exactly what happened. We found customs officers waiting for us. They took us to a room and said, basically, if you've got anything to declare, and there was quite a few of them, so I knew there was obviously... They knew, so I just said, yes, I have um, explained the situation. Um, they were very, very sympathetic. Uh, they, two of them said, but we're mums, you know, we know we can see why you're doing this, but unfortunately we have got to do our job. Um, and because my MP had written to the Home Office to ask for an urgent import licence, we kind of had an idea that this could happen. So we were ready for it anyway. And I did say to them, is it you know, due to the Home Office if they notified you? And they said, actually, no, it was a social media tip-off, which is fine, because, again, that was a risk that we knew could happen. Um, They ended up confiscating everything, um, but they made it very clear multiple times that they've been told not to destroy it, just to seize it. So I've got a very slight glimmer of hope that if I apply for another licence, I should hopefully get one. I mean, to have it in your hands and then have it taken away, I mean, it must, as a, as a mum myself, I'm quite emotional about it. It must just be yeah. completely... Oh, it's heartbroken, literally. Even though I knew it was, it was a, there was a chance it could happen, which, you know, I understand people think a couple of, like, I'm, I'm silly for broadcasting it or I'm silly for thinking I'd get through. I did those things, I did it for the reason that people need to be aware of what, us as parents are being forced to do and I think people aren't aren't convinced how serious this is you know my my daughter suffers from a very severe type of epilepsy that can kill her at any time and if I've got just a slight inkling that this medication could help her then I'm going to give it to her this medication isn't just something I've bought in a shop you know, this is prescribed by a private doctor in Holland. I got it from a pharmacy where, you know, a, a high-grade pharmacy where they where they basically make it and distribute it. So it's not like I've just bought, you know, some, some oil in from a shop in Amsterdam. That's not how it works. So, yeah, we went through a lot of a lot of planning and a lot of expense to get this, and now it's been taken away. So what's what's your next step, Emma? What do you do now? As you say, there's kind of this glimmer of hope they're not going to destroy yeah. it. There might be there might be a way of you getting hold of this for Tegan. I hope so. Um, basically, I 
I've been working with Endar Payne and there's 16 families that are in my position. Um, and I, and that's, that's another reason I did this. I did this for all of us, you know, not just not just for my daughter, but for all the children that, that actually cannot afford to do this. We Luckily, we raised this money last year when Tegan was very, very poorly in London. And we used that money to go out there. But there's families that can't do that. So now, because of what's happened, it's very much back in the media, public, the public eye again. So we want to make a big thing that our children are suffering every single day. So now we've got a new petition come out, which is um, on change.org, um, which is to try and get Tegan's medication back to her. Um, end our pain on their website. I've also got a link for anyone to um, join. And then you just click on the link and it says email your MP. You put your postcode in, it brings up who your MP is. It brings up a pre-typed letter, which automatically when you press send goes to your local MP. And that letter is in is asking your MP to um, contact the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary, asking them again to return Tegan's medication for, for health reasons. Am I right in thinking that, that Tegan's, you know, she's had this me- medication in the UK before? Is that right, when she was at the children's kind, hospital? Uh, kind of. It's, it's very similar. So basically, Tegan's, Tegan was given um, Epidiolex, which is a CBD medication. Um, she was given, she was prescribed that by our hospital in London when she was in intensive care on compassionate grounds because she was just so, so poorly, nothing was helping. Um, that was that was given to her in the beginning of November and then from December she was seizure-free while awake um, but not when sleeping up until February. And then February, I think it was about the 4th or 5th, she started seizuring again during the day and she's just gone downhill from there. So. The products we got abroad um, are a different company in their whole plant extract. So they're basically quite a bit stronger. So the medication I picked up on Friday, I only have to give like half of the medication I have to give the Epidiolex at the moment. So, yeah, it's the same. It's a similar product, but because it's the whole plant extract, it's, it's a lot stronger and it's, I say, better quality, really. Emma says she'll continue her fight to try and save her daughter. Kent Online reports. Now, at the start of National Stalking Awareness Week, we're being reminded about how to alert police when we're in danger but can't speak. If you call 999 but are too afraid to talk, you can press 55 as part of the silent solution system. There are concerns not enough of us know how it works and the police watchdog wants to make sure everyone's aware of how to use Use it. Nicola's been finding out more from David Grinter, who works with victim support in Kent. I think there's been some misconception amongst the public that by dialing 999 and saying nothing will get you straight through to the police. My understanding is the police do have a system whereby if you dial 999 and say nothing, as long as you then scratch the phone or cough to make a noise so that the the system realises it is not a fake call or a dead call. And then by pushing 5-5 at that point, you will be put through to the police so they can listen in. Okay, so this is perhaps somebody who's in a situation where they could be put at even more risk if they speak out, but they are able to access their phone. And that's why they're trying to raise awareness of this. Is that right? 
Absolutely, yes. Sometimes in a, in a public place or a private sitting, um, you may be able to access your phone and dial 999 while it's in your pocket or so out of sight of whatever's happening. But actually to raise it to your ear to talk could incite something uh, such as violence or, or escalate the situation. This is being launched during National Stalking Awareness Week. Do you help many people who've been victims of stalking? Yes, we do. Um, not always identified initially as stalking, quite often uh, as a harassment case by the police. And then it's putting those incidents together that builds that picture into a picture of stalking where that obsession and uh, persistence and fixation um, becomes apparent. And I guess for people who, who are victims, knowing that somebody is on the end of an emergency call if they want to get hold of them but can't say anything, that must be very reassuring for them. I would hope so, yeah. And getting that word out that this is the way to do it is obviously paramount, especially during Stalking Week this week. So um, I'm sure victim support are always really keen to hear of innovations that the police are, are coming up with. Um, what did you think when you heard this idea? Do you, how useful do you think it's going to be? I think it's like any idea and it's about the publicity and awareness raising of it. Once people are aware that this can happen and they can use this system, then uh, that's great. It's, it's really just getting the message out perhaps during National Stalking Week, that this exists, so that um, people are aware that they've got access to it this way. And if people are calling on their mobile phones, they press 5-5. Do you know how it works at the police end? Um, presumably they can track where that phone is, can they, and send a response out? So if, if the person using the phone is really not able to speak um, but need the emergency services, they can tap the handset, cough or make a noise. Uh, and if the operator doesn't get a, get a response to any of the uh, normal questions about police fire or ambulance, but they can hear background voices, they'll connect the call to a system that asks you to press 55 on your keypad if you want the police. And it's at that time, obviously, that uh, the, the the victim, the person holding the phone, can do that. Modern technology is great, but it will not allow the police to actually track your location. So if you are using this silent 999 call approach, um, it will be extremely difficult for the police to trace your location um, quickly. So if there's any way that you holding the phone can whisper or say something about your location, that will be very helpful to the police. Kent Online reports. On to other news now. Four men have been arrested on suspicion of murder after a man in his 20s was found dead near Canterbury. Police were called to a caravan site in Gate Hill in Dunkirk just after seven last night and discovered the victim with a serious chest injury. Three of the men detectives have been questioning are in their 30s and another's in his 20s. A Maidstone man's admitted secretly filming a mum and her 16-year-old daughter who has learning difficulties in a swimming pool changing room. David Skinner put his phone to a hole in the wall of the cube at splashes in Raynham last June and recorded them getting dressed. The 64-year-old from Bower Terrace has been given a two-year community order and will also be put on the sex offenders register. Around £900,000 worth of cannabis has been found on one street in Canterbury. Police seized more than 1,200 plants from three properties in Old Park Avenue on Friday morning after concerns were raised about suspicious behaviour. The 24 four-year-old man was arrested and charged with cultivating cannabis and extracting electricity. He's appeared in court and been remanded in custody. New research suggests first-time buyers here in the southeast have to save up for 
13 and a half years to get on the property ladder. The average time to get a 15% deposit drops to almost six years if you're in a couple. Kent Online Sport. Finally today, a Medway football club wants to mark its 40th season by encouraging more girls to play football. Cliffwood's Colts have launched a weekly Wildcat Centre at the primary school for girls aged between 5 and 11 to take part. The club doesn't have any girls teams at the moment and have decided it's time to change that. Ish has been chatting to Youth Development Officer Andrew Norton, who'll be running the sessions. We're looking to increase engagement through doing things a little bit differently to maybe what is traditionally done, um, because we believe what is traditionally been done uh, is maybe not as engaging as it should have been. Um, And DFI have linked with this as well, which is really, really good. So we're going to be having loads of fun and interactive games specifically tailored for the girls. And we're going to be trying to create a sort of new identity um, for the girls so that they are part of uh, the new kind of intake, as it were, Um, especially with um, the England ladies now progressing massively uh, and generally female football going from strength to strength. Um, we want to be part of that new identity and to really push it forward. So was it more that you had something different that you wanted to pitch that no one else has done before? What we're looking to do is take what is currently a very male-dominated club um, and a relatively successful grassroots club uh, and open it up to the 50% of the population which are currently not represented. Um, So I think for us... It's quite a a brand new thing. Uh, I know when I sit down with the committee and I I speak to them about it, there's quite a lot of um, amazement and support to to get this project up and running. So um, we are looking to change in our club a lot and hopefully in the local area a lot as well. And also it's the club's 40th anniversary this year. I mean, was that very much also the thinking behind taking part in this, that this is something that as the club evolves, that's something that you want to push more towards for you know young girls being involved in football? Yeah, so we, um, because we think it is a, a very big a very big deal effectively to to be opening it up when we currently don't have any, any girls or ladies teams. And um, we hope that as a result of the Wildcats, we can have the ladies and girls teams. If we can't, then we hope that um, local young girls will look at our club and will think that's where my my journey with football began. We really, really, really want it to be a, a long-term kind of love affair with football, as it were. And I, I think that's maybe the difference between what's going to be our Wildcat centres and other Wildcat centres is we are, we are going to aim to have that lifelongness to it through promoting that positivity uh, and promoting that kind of health benefit without telling a five-year-old that it's a health benefit. So it's, it's going to be maximising movement time for the girls as well as making sure that they always leave with a smile on their face, I'd say. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.